Killing the Business Worldwide, and we are on the air on this beautiful evening. Hope everything is doing well, wherever you may be. I am the sickest one of them all, Sick Vic. My colleagues tonight is the one and only number one Buffalo Bills fan, TJ and Scotty. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. That's fun that he said, and Scotty. And Scotty. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry, man. I'm not, I don't know if I can call it number one Bills fan, but I watched it. And for the, sh- for the show that you are. So now let's begin another Bills fan. <laughs> Our guest tonight, he is one half of the Recknecks, who is a tag team that's dismantling other tag teams in WWA, World Wrestling Alliance. With us today is Rough House Ricker. How are you doing, sir? Just fine, and you? Oh, I'm doing well in this very humid evening. I hope it's not too humid where you are at. Uh, we got a heat index day of 105. Yeah. Nice. Welcome to the and summer. Work, in my shoot job, I work in a uh, in a machine shop with no air conditioning. So yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really lovely right now. Uh, I hope they pay you well to put up with that. Uh, not too bad. He's uh, cutting weight for the next match. That's there you right. go. So how did you get into professional wrestling? Was it something that you admired growing up, or did it just... My uncle, my uncle Ermit used to, was a huge wrestling fan, and he got me hooked on it probably when I was about five, six years old. We started watching uh, Memphis guys, and then, and then when we when satellite come around in our area, he got me watching WCW and stuff like that. And I've just been a fan all my whole entire life. Um, how old were you when you started your training, and where did you go to school? Uh, nineteen, and actually, I was I was trained by uh, one of my friends. He had a ring in his backyard. He used to be a he used to be a wrestler here in my hometown. He, his name was Wildman Kenny Cotton, and then my brother Rowdy Red uh, helped train me. And then most of my training actually come in the ring during shows. So, other than WWA, what other promotions are you working for? Uh, WWA is the main one, but I, me and my son just recently took a trip to uh, Dyersburg, Tennessee, and worked for Pro Wrestle Mid South uh, for Greg Anthony, and he's one of the best old school promoters out there. I loved his shows. It's purely strictly old school. Uh, when I started, I wrestled for Randall Conrad here in uh, Kentucky and he ran, uh, I believe it was the CWA. It was Coalfield Wrestling Alliance. And then, then my buddy Kenny, he had his own promotion called the KWA. It was Kentucky Wrestling Alliance. And my brother and sister-in-law owned a uh, promotion probably about three or four years ago and, and uh, we had a rough time getting crowds and all, so they shut down and sold out. But pretty much right now, WBA is my, my main priority right now. I'm just, I'm on the, I'm on the end of my journey. I'm 44 years old and I'm starting to fall apart. So I'm just starting to mentor people. And so I like my partner. My partner's 18 years old. And he carries me very well in the, in the tag team division. Yeah, man, fuck that 18-year-old, man. Those 44-year-olds were standing strong, baby. Thanks. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I preach old school to these kids all the time, and they get so tired of hearing me talk. So at these shows lately when we've been doing tag matches, I've been pulling out old school stuff that I haven't done in probably 10 or 15 years, and they're like, holy shit, the old man can still move. Uh, you can't preach like Mexo. Mex, we were just talking about him before. Oh, oh yeah, me, me and him are right there again. He's like, Paul, remember back in the day? I'm like, yeah. He's like, this shit wouldn't fly today. I'm like, yeah, my, yeah, Max, it wouldn't. And they're like, man, y'all two need to shut the fuck up. All y'all talk about is this old school mentality. I'm like, yeah, because without old school, new school doesn't exist. Like, if Mex, if you're listening to this, you know we love you, but Mex, at times. We'll have like women's world champion on talking about you know her grudge matches, and he'll be like, 
you know, I can't pass Air Force security now because the staple side to my nutsack, the metal strap, I can't pass it. And it was like, what the, the hell did that come from? He, he, has, he has told me that story numerous of times. I'm like, what is wrong with you, dude? So is that story told us about the economist in his bag story his wife found out? Yes, I've heard that story. Uh, let's see, I've heard. Uh, I he's told me all kind of stories over the years, and and oh my lord, he's he's something else. I at one period of time, I we had to do two parters per episode because of his stories, and we had to tell him, "Dude, we can't be cutting these two-hour shows anymore. Our wives get pissed off after a while that we're gone for two hours." <laughs> so I was like, "Can, can we?" Cut it down an hour. We love you, Max. But can you cut it down just a little bit for us? Right. But it was just like, Max, you got to cut it out. Come on. My wife's pissed off right now. She just stomped off. (laughs) And that is why I'm, that's why I'm single. When you're involved in the wrestling business, it's so hard to find a woman that truly supports you. Since I've been doing it since I was 19, I've never really had any woman in my life truly support me because they, uh, most of them thought it was stupid. They didn't understand why I did it. They swore I had a woman in every town that I hung out with when they wasn't around and blah, blah, blah. I mean, when, before I got with, before I got with my, my ex-wife, yes, I did have, I, I had a girl in every town I wrestled in that I hung out with, but it was just that we just hung out. I, it was, she was there to entertain me. So I'd have somebody hang out with it while I was in town. Hey, you know, it's like different zip code. It doesn't count. <laughs> Be loyal to the Love them <laughs> ring rats. As you were telling that, I'm sitting here like, all right, what am I going to get them with? And then you answered the question for me. And I didn't ask <laughs> this one. I was like, oh, yes. Well, hey. I mean, I'm not, pr- I'm not proud of my younger days in wrestling business, case, but you live and you learn. Now, now my my son's fixing to be eighteen, and he he's been training with us for almost two years now, and he's getting ready to debut. So, I'm trying to I'm trying to teach him where I screwed up in the business to not do these things. Hey, don't do the things the old man did. Do your do things your way. Yeah, but don't make it not fun for him. You can't tell him not to do any of the. Fun oh, I know. Oh, I, I, I know that. I, I told. I, yeah, he he's already seen it. He's already seen the old man at work. He knows how it, how it is. He he's a good kid, and he's really learning. He's really antsy to learn. He's just he's ready to debut, and he just I told him not to rush things. It all comes natural. Even though the the journey is fast, but it's also slow as well. Yes, he sees that. So how did the um, rec necks come about? I was, when my son started training, I was hanging out at the shows and uh, Chris Waddell, he was like, Hey, Rickard, I got a, I got an idea for you. He said, I, I want to, I want to create this tag team. That's kind of like, he said, I want these like mechanic type characters, but I want them to be rednecks. And I come up and we, we said, we brainstormed. And I come up with the name, and you'll never believe how I come up with this name because people in the locker room don't even believe. I was, I was on when uh, W uh, when Two K Twenty Two come out. This kid had created this tag team that that looks like us and everything called the Recknex. So I went to Chris. I was like, "Hey, here's the name," and I was like, "I like it." He said, "I love it too." He said, "Where'd you come up with that?" I said, "I don't. I'm not telling you that, but." But that's how I come up with the name, and, and the fan, the fans freaking hate us. Like all, I, all I got to do is walk out of the curtain, and they, they will start cussing me, yelling at me, just losing their shit. Yes, I, I'm. I want. I try. I, I want to end my career as a face because I've always enjoyed being a face. But Chris and them says I draw too much heat to be a face for them, and I get that. But he he knows I can pull off the face if I, if if he gives me the chance to, and I don't think he wants to give me that chance though. So, so Please. fix the dude, dude out there, fix it. He wants to be a face. 
<laughs> oh, I can I can get the fans to start cheering for me if I try, but I don't want to piss. I don't want to step on no toes. <laughs> ah, well, you don't want to piss off the promoter. That's right. That might not be good. What uh, what titles have the uh, Recknecks held, and which one meant the most to you? Ryan has not won nothing. I I have won. I won the. Uh, let's see what promotion it was. The New Wave Wrestling is a promotion back in the early to, uh, early two thousands. Me and my brother won the tag team titles five times together. I've I've held the Top Notch Wrestling, which was my brother's promotion. I was the heavyweight champion and hardcore champion at the same time. I've held uh, the New Wave Wrestling heavyweight title. The KWA Southern title, the Bluegrass title, but I haven't been a champion in a long time. And it, and before I retire, I want me and Ryan to, to win the tag titles together. How would you describe the Recknecks in ring style? Uh, let's see, the Miracle Violence Connection. That's it will, right to the point. Will, we're like Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. He he does the technical stuff like Terry, like Steve Williams did, and I'm the Terry Gordy of the group. I go in and I do all the you're, all the you're the cleaner. Yes, blast them skulls. Yes. So, what is the uh, team's finisher, and why is it the finisher of choice? We we really haven't experimented with tag team finishers. But one thing we do that the that the guys in the back absolutely love is I'll pick I, I throw the guy into the corner and give him a couple of shoulder blocks. They come out and I'll body slam him, and then Ryan will come in. I'll tag him in. He comes running in, and I pick him up and he does a senton on him. As soon as he get they get up or he gets out of the way, I do an elbow, a Stan Hansen elbow on him, and the crowd absolutely hates it. And the but the boys in the back love that spot. Even though the Recknets haven't won a tag team titles yet, what are some of the most important matches in the Rednecks journey? We were the bet my the most important we've ever had so far was we was in the WBA's very first ever bunkhouse brawl match with with the uh, 3CB, which uh, consists of MK Swift and a uh, Munchie. And them boys made this old man look so good. Like, I, I, I was still rolling like a 20-year-old. You talk, you talk about your knowledge in professional wrestling. What advice would you give to someone who's trying to break into business today? Mouth shut, ears open. That's been a lot. That's been a lot of people's recommendation. Tracy Smothers told me that years ago. He said, to any new guy breaking in, you keep your mouth shut and open your fucking ears is exactly what he told me. God bless Tracy Smothers. And, and, and to this day, yeah, he's he he is probably he's probably the, the greatest name I've ever wrestled. I haven't wrestled a whole lot of names. I like when I first started, I wrestled Demolition Axe in a tag team match. And talking about WWE style, the hell with that shit, because he's stiff as he was stiff as fuck. He did that mouth stretch on me and rip. It felt like he was ripping my damn mouth lips right off my mouth. It uh, but but Tracy, Tracy was probably the best matches. I've, I've my favorite matches. Like the first time, I know he always had offense of taking of people calling him an old man, and I didn't realize how bad it bothered him. And I, the first time I ever wrestled him, I was walking around the ring like I had a walker, and I told him, I said, "Come on, old man, show me what you got." Yeah, I'll regret that because that he beat my fucking ass from one end of that ring to the other. We got in the locker room and he said, Don't you ever fucking call me an old man again. He said, That is so fucking disrespectful. Then when I said, Yes, sir, he said, Okay, we're cool now. We got that other system. He said, But don't ever fucking call me an old man or he said, I'll fuck you up. I was like, Yes, sir. I guess he fucked you up. And and, and now and now that, that I'm the old man of the locker room. I get where he was coming from because they all tell me I'm an old man and it really, really, it really hurts you. It, it, it bothers you. Where's TJ? Unmute your mic. Unmute. Unmute. 
Yeah, I yeah. We can't read left. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's an amateur. Please forgive him. He he's kind of autistic. No, I can. It's too late now. I, the moment was already ruined because I can't figure out how to work this shit. But you take them young kids into the ring, stop the living shit out of them, old school style, and say, you know what? I'll be the old man in this bitch, and you guys call me old man, but just remember, I stomped the shit out of all of you. Oh, I I try to. <laughs> that, 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 they all show me respect, though. That I'm. Chris tells me that that I'm I'm a very well respected person in the WBA locker room, and some guys show it. And there's some guys in that locker room, and I don't care if I piss people off when I say this, but they've got a bunch of arrogant little pricks in that fucking locker room that thinks they're gods in this fucking business. And half of them wouldn't even last in the business if they started when I did. Yeah, because they come back to the old man. You can't. You had it right. You were like, dude, I'll beat the shit out of you, bro. But we appreciate how you ended the statement. But them young kids are like, well, we can do whatever we want, man. Yeah. It, it, it bothers me with attitudes like that because I know I'm not – I've always told everybody that I'm not the best in this business, but I'm sure not the, the fucking worst. And it, get, it pisses me off when somebody's in that locker room and they're like, oh, you can't fucking hang with me. You'll never be able to hang with me. And I, I can't stand attitudes like that. I cannot stand an arrogant prick that thinks he's entitled to this business and that thinks they can, they're the greatest fucking worker. And I could, I could probably work a broomstick better than that motherfucker could work in the ring. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're the one stretching their mouths wide open. And don't, don't worry because I'm 46. And being, being the old man, the Jedi master... He was never the youngest one. He was always the old guy. Right. Oh, I, yeah. I. It, but but I mean, I like I said, I love most of them guys in the locker room. But there's there's some that just rub me the wrong way, and I keep my distance from them. That's like what I tried to do with Vic and Scotty, but you know, they just keep they're like, "Hey, dude, call us tonight. We just want to chat with you." And I'm like, and then we, you know, we get you know. Now you're on here, and they're like, hey, you got to talk to this guy about stuff. And I'm like, maybe he doesn't want to talk to me. And they don't, uh, listen, they never listen to me. I'm just a piece. I'm, I might as well just be like an empty ashtray in the corner. Hey, I'll talk you to anybody. You can hang up anytime. I'll talk <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> I'll talk to anybody about this business as much as they want to talk. Hey, I'm bullshitting. These guys are good folks. Yeah, TJ says that, but all you have to do is listen, listen to past episodes and you hear me like, like, I want you to cut a promo. I want you to cut a promo. Give a shout out, killing the business. As I'm like, dude, don't go here. No, that's now, now, now I, I remember, I remember a couple episodes ago when y'all had Naomi and uh, Kenzie from the WBA, two of the girl, female trainees, and y'all made them do a promo at the end of the fuck episode. And I was laughing my ass off because they were so nervous. <laughs> So but I, I remember so, that episode because that, that uh, Kenzie, Kenzie messaged me and she said, "Why the hell are you listening to this?" I said, "Mike invited me to listen and I wanted to see what y'all had to say." Yeah, they 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 were okay with getting into it, but at the point where we got them into it, I had tried it like three or four, yeah. and Vic's like, "Dude, it ain't nobody wants to do it. Just you know, well, no point bringing it up." And I'm like. And I'm like, yeah, but if we can get someone and fix, like, nobody wants to do it. Well, see, Na Naomi stopped training. Oh, I agree. Nobody Na wants Well, Naomi stopped training right now because she's trying to – She she's focusing on her her amateur stuff right now. Like, mm -hmm. she, uh, she she's trying – she got offered a scholarship to some college, so Chris told her to, to focus on her amateur stuff, but she just – she, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, she just fucked up her knee and had to miss, and she missed the state finals or something like that. That sucks. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I we all told her to go to go to college, and Rasslin will be here when she gets back. Right. Yeah. She she's a hell of a she's a hell of an amateur wrestler. I've watched her shit. If she keeps it up, she could be a she could be a uh, an Olympic star one day. 
Yeah, I, unfortunately, I couldn't make that episode. So Mex Bears, I I listened to it, and yeah, I was, yeah, that was the last time Mex was a host. Oh yeah, they <laughs> they embarrassed they embarrassed the shit out of them too, but I loved it. Well, we didn't there's no intention of it, but they were they signed it. They're like, yeah, we'll do it, and I'm like, you don't have to. Right? Oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you're right. And they and they're like, all right, well, we'll do one. And I'm like, well, shit, do it. And they they did it. I was pretty impressed for some for some young ladies like that came up off the cuff and came up with some. But we've had we've also had some that Thanks, boy all day. Right. But that right, like all the trainees that are training with my son right now. They're all good kids. They're all eager, right. but but it gets on my nerves because ninety percent of them are fucking spot monkeys. They're all about doing that half line shit, and I told them I said you'll regret that in about five years. Yeah, they was like, they was like, have you ever done that stuff? I said, yeah. When I was about 19, 20 years old, I did it for about three or four years, and I started waking up and then the next morning be like, damn, this shit hurts. I can't do this shit no more. Yeah, we had Connor Case on recently, and he was just talking about, like, yeah, he can't, he's just looking forward to bleed. And we we're just like, dude, you're gonna regret that. You're gonna regret saying that, man. Oh, yeah. I've always said that too. I've I always wanted the bleed part. And the first time I bled, I was like, yeah, fuck this shit. <laughs> I was like, because I, uh, the, the guy that, the guy that ever gave me my first blade job was a guy, uh, was a guy that wrestled around here named Ray Fambro. He wrestled as one of the local assassins. Like he was, uh, he was actually an offset partner for Jody Hamilton and them when they wrestled in this area. And he told me, he said, he said, I love you, kid. He said, you want it the easy way or the hard way? Oh. So I said the easy way. So he's like, all right. He said, here's what you do. He said, I'm going to poke your forehead. He said, I'm going to poke your forehead. And he said, I'm going to start punching the head. And he did that, and I started bleed, I started gushing like a, like a freaking cut open pig. And I was like, I love this shit. And I got in the locker room, and I couldn't see nothing. I was like, I don't like this shit no more. But he was like, he just kept as soon as he poked me open, he was just sitting there wearing my head out. I was like, holy shit, how do y'all do this shit every night? <laughs> well, you just came up. You just came up with the new term for BJ's, a blade job. <laughs> but I'm. Like, I tell my son, I don't want him to, I, I hope, I tell everybody if they do that in the business, not to go like this, because everybody always told me you go with the wrinkles of your forehead. They was like, that's why Jerry Lawler and Abdul the Butcher look like they do, because they went against their, against it instead of with it. <laughs> that's, a new type, that's a new type of head right there. Stars <laughs> <laughs> do happen. Hey baby, hey baby, give me a blade job. <laughs> oh fuck up! Uh. Stay with the grains. Stay right, with the grains. Stay with the grains. <laughs> so, what do you wish that the fans understood about your job? How much sacrifice we give for them. How much? How much physical sacrifice we give to them? We we give for them, and and, and not to say it's fake because they're not in the ring. They don't know how real or fake it really is. And I try not to tell. If everybody asks me if it's fake, I tell them all. I tell them is, "Hey, get in the ring, and I'll show you if it's fake or not." Do those things still call wrestling fake, or do they just point out? Botches, like oh, look at that botch! Look at that! But it's like go in the ring and do it. See if you can do a better job. The 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 fans nowadays get on my fucking nerves because it's all oh well he fucked up. Well you know what motherfucker? At least I'm out here doing what I like doing while you're sitting the behind the keyboard being a keyboard warrior because you ain't got the the balls or the dick between your legs to do this shit. Yeah, it's fans are the worst. I mean, fans really ruin the sport. Because they're always like, well, how was you when you was a fan? And when you went to go watch wrestling, I was like, I watched it. I didn't critique nobody. I didn't say, 
oh, this guy sucks or this guy's an asshole or he can't he wrestle. It. But now, we, now there was no social media. But now that I'm a now that I'm a wrestler and I when I go to WWE shows, I'm like, oh, that was a fuck up, or I'm like, oh shit, he wasn't supposed to do that. And it, it, it now that I'm in the business, now that I've been in the business, it ruins me going to watch shows because I'm like, oh, he fucked up. Oh, that wasn't. I know that wasn't supposed to happen. And I'm like, and I try not to be that way when I got my kids with me because my kids love it, love watching it. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> you just got to turn away. That's I'm like, oh, Scotty and Vic and all these guys don't ruin wrestling for me. Because I'm that kid, I'm still five years old in there watching it. Except we're allowed to have beer now because I'm not five. And I, I get, watch it, love it. I get like that sometimes with certain people. Right. That there's some wrestlers still to this day that, that I mark the fuck out for. Like Hulk Hogan, I'm still, Hulk Hogan, if without Hulk Hogan, there would be no professional wrestling today. Without a Ric Flair, there would be no wrestling today. Without Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee, there would be no professional wrestling today. And it's, it, 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 it amazes me how everybody's like, oh, Orange Cassidy is such a good wrestler. No, he's not. Fucking Orange Cassidy sucks dick. <laughs> he pisses me off. He pissed me off because that stupid son of a bitch does not take the business serious at all. If I, if, if I wrestled him and he tried doing them fucking stupid-ass shadow kicks he does with people, I'd fucking kick him right in the fucking dick. I ain't going to lie. Or he sticks his hands in his pocket. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd fucking kick him right in his fucking dick. I don't care what anybody's. Everybody's like, no, you wouldn't. I was like, try me. Like, uh, Chris, uh, Chris and them had Joey Ryan a few years ago at one of their shows. And they was like, if we booked you against him, would you take the dick flip? I said, I don't give a fuck if you offered me $1,000. I said, I'm not grabbing some guy's fucking dick and having him fucking flip me over. Yeah, that's just like, no, no. I mean, Orange Cassidy going, jumping through the, ro- like, over the top ropes, through the ropes, his hands in his pocket. You're jumping over the top rope. Ro- Joey Ryan's dick flip. It's like, what, where's the athlete? I have to, I have to, I have to, my wife's going dick flip. That got her attention, didn't it? But everybody, everybody always tells me, "Well, you you're all old school, but you talk about Ricochet a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, because when I when I he started training, me and him were in the same promotion at the same time. I remember him coming into training." with a group down here in Murray, Kentucky called Old School Wrestling. This boy was probably 120, 130 pound tops. But that kid was so fucking acrobatic. But did did I ever think he would ever go to Japan or become a star on WWE? No, because I thought he was just going to be a, a weekend warrior, but he proved us wrong. Do you think Ricochet's getting a raw deal in the WWE? I think, I right think they're pushing I, I, I like I love how they're pushing him, and this thing with Logan Paul is going to make him the star that he needs to be. Yep. Logan Paul is going to make him is going to send Ricochet to the next level in professional wrestling. I hope so because he was so he was a hell of an athlete when he was in uh, New Japan for wrestling. Yeah. Do I, I, do I think he could main event WrestleMania today? I, absolutely. You could put him against Roman Reigns right now, and he would make Roman Reigns look fucking stupid in the ring. Because I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Roman Reigns either. I think the motherfucker sucks. I don't think he's got any athletic ability. I don't think he to be an Anawahi family member. The motherfucker don't know a wrestling hold from a wristwatch. What you don't acknowledge the tribal chief? I, I know. I I hate Roman Reigns. I, I love this bloodline storyline thing, but I just I don't like Roman Reigns. I don't understand the hype about him. I, and I keep telling everybody I keep telling everybody he's only hyped up because of who he is. It, it, it took Paul Heyman. Yeah, Paul Heyman. It took Paul Heyman to get him over. Oh yeah, yeah. Without Paul Heyman, he would have never become the tribal chief. I, I guarantee you that. It's like you're you're an old school fan. You believe in the thirty-day defense clause, still, don't you? Yes, and that's why I would have—I would have stripped this whole thing of him being champion for three years. Is the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. 
because back then when Hulk Hogan and them did it, they defended the title every 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 thirty days, and Roman defends his like every every three months. Well, they were on the house show circuit constantly. I mean, yeah, they never stopped. You might not have seen Hogan defended on television, but at the house shows he was. Right, right, and and to today, I don't, I don't get it. If you're a champion, defend your title or, or take the title off that guy. Absolutely agree, and that kills the whole. Roman Reigns is the goat. That kills it right there. You can't defend yes. the title. You can't be like, oh, he's been champion for a thousand twenty-eight days when you haven't defended it for one hundred four of them. And, and, and one thing that gets me in this business, new too, about all these local promotions, like like independent promotions, is the promoter or bookers always book themselves as champions. That is so wrong. Yeah, you should. If you're the promoter or booker, you should never put a title on yourself because all you're doing is taking an opportunity away from somebody else that deserves that spot more than you because you're the one holding the book in your hand. You're the one that tells people who's going to be champion at all. So why are you going to fucking book yourself as a champion? I think it's so disrespectful. Ego. When my brother, when my brother was running his promotion and I was helping him book, we both agreed that we would not put the titles on each other. So the whole three years we he was that we ran three or four years we ran neither one of us were. I was the champion for our company before my before I started booking it but when I started booking it I actually took time off from the ring and was actually working backstage completely. When Vince McMahon was ECW World Champion. Yes, yeah, right. the I don't, yeah. I I don't I don't get the I mean I understand I've had this conversation with with Chris Waddell before. And I get his point too, because it's your promotion, and who who can you trust more in your promotion than yourself? I get that, but dude, there's so many more people you got in your company that you have to put faith in. It's also the way how you present it, like Vince McMahon being like you know the court, you know he was still a corporate guy trying to become a, like a, just pretending he's a wrestler with his bandana acting all tough. Now, if you're like a wrestler, that's like you know no one. Like I had the owner slam wrestling on before. He that's right. in Finland. I had no clue he was the owner. I thought he was just like a the popular guy, like John Cena or whatever like that. He right. sees kids, does all sorts of matches, does all sorts of crazy acts and stuff like that. So of course, you know, when you say he was the owner, that kind of like threw me off. I was like, Oh, you're the owner. Oh shit. Oh okay, you know, try and reformat my question. You know, it all depends how you present yourself, but it's very rare. Promoters are like, I'm a promoter. I don't care. It's my it's my business. That that's like people, all the guys nowadays, they make fun of me because all I wear to wrestling shows is cowboy boots and blue jeans and t-shirts. They're like, why do you dress like that? Because when I was growing up, every wrestler I ever seen come into a building had blue jeans on, cowboy boots, and dress shirts or t-shirts. And to me, to this day, I still do. Like it drives me crazy seeing guys come to wrestling shows and in basketball shorts and Crocs or flip flops and muscle shirts or whatever. I'm like, dude, you're a professional wrestler dressed like a fucking professional. And if you if you see someone that's been in the business for a while or you know just the prom- promoter, whatever, you say sir or ma'am to them out of respect. Yes. Yeah, Jason, it's no, sir. No, you don't. Or- Apparently, you don't. There, Vic. These days you don't. Like growing up, they say they means multiple more than one person. Now it's a certain person. It's like <laughs> do you. You can do you, do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy, that's fine. But don't get mad at me because I have a slip. Look, if you look like a woman on the outside to me, I'm gonna address you as ma'am. You, you look like, like a, a woman, you wear makeup. If, if you look like a man to me, if you present yourself as a man, you're a man. But if I know you got a, if I know if you got a dick between your legs, I'm going to call you a man. I'm not going to call you they, he, she, him, whatever. And I get in trouble for this shit all the time in the in wrestling because I'm not politically correct. But I'm just, I'm just old school mentality in life too. There's only two genders. There's a man or a woman. You don't get to pick what fucking gender you want to be. I'm sorry. I got a message before of someone saying like, "Hey, just to let you know, I like to be referred as they there because I'm bi- non-binary." Okay, 
you told me, you showed the respect you told me, I will do my best. I'll even say if I slip, I slip, you know, tough shit. But, you know, it's, yeah. but I will try because you were cool with me. I'm cool with you. I don't care if you guy, girl, they, it, shit, whatever. If you're an asshole yeah. to me, guess what? I'm going to be an asshole to you. That's it. And that interview with that person who told me, gave me the heads up, went beautifully. No issues. But, you know, getting my head ripped off, it's like, what the fuck? I didn't mean, I didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to be an asshole. I'm calling you a man. Hey, that, that's like, like Ox Harley once told me years ago, he said, I'll tell you right now, if you're homophobic in this business, he said, I'll tell you right now, you've been in the ring with more gay guys than you'll ever, than you ever known. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, he said, there's so, he said, back in the day, there were so many guys that were hidden a part of that life. He said that, he said that you've actually wrestled more gay guys in this business than you ever realized. And they just didn't know, you just didn't know it. But I don't, I don't care what your, what your sexual preference is. You show me with, you show me respect. I'm going to show you respect. That's the way, the, that's the way the world should be turning. But you know, like, do you believe that social media is actually hurting the business? Yes, I do. That's why I don't really, if you notice, I don't really post a whole lot on my Facebook page at my Facebook or, or the Redneck page or anything else. The Redneck page is strictly for business. Like I need to, me and Ryan need to update it more than what we do, but I don't explode. Like I don't get on there and I won't get on there and wrestle. Say me and Mex wrestled uh, tomorrow, Saturday night. I, I'm not going to get on there Sunday morning and be like, Mad Mex, thank you for the match last night. It was awesome. I respect you. No, because as a heel, I shouldn't be doing that stuff. No, a week later, you send a message out there and say, hey, Max, it was cool kicking the shit out of you, bro. Right, exactly. I, I get it. I, that's And that's how I always was. Also, it's like you, I mean, you go out after your match, you're backstage. You, you tell him, you know, great match, you know, da, 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 when no one's looking. Who says you have to say on social media to make it worth anything? Like, you don't. You don't. <laughs> but what really, truly killed the business is Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon killed this fucking wrestling business, and I don't care who gets offended by that because everybody's like, well, without Vince McMahon, professional wrestling wouldn't be around. No, I'm pretty sure it would be because Jerry Jarrett and them were running, running promotions long before Vince McMahon was even thought of. Yeah, Jason, and Jason still watches his shows, still watches his events. Jason. I know, Scotty, Jason. Hey, no, back me up here, TJ. You're right there with me. Vince McMahon is a Vince McMahon is a fucking Vince McMahon is a fucking predator and a pervert, and I wish the motherfucker was dead. I honestly do. This right, the wrestling business would the wrestling business would be so much better without Vince McMahon in it. He ain't far off. <laughs> and everybody talks about well, there's so many predators in this business and perverts. Yeah, Vince McMahon is the main fucking predator and pervert in this fucking business. Look at how he sexualizes all the. Hey, all these years since I was a kid, I always noticed that, that in the 80s, it wasn't so bad. But when the 90s and all started coming around, he started sexualizing these women more. Mm-hmm. He started, oh, well, well, expose your breasts a little bit more. Vincent Mann is nothing but a fucking predator. Thanks a lot, Sable. Yeah. Where in the show am I supposed to jump in and defend Vince? I, that's, that's my question because I have no – I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. When I he do. retired – when he stepped down and retired, I mean, him coming back, that should not have been. The only re- they said the only reason why they come back is Endeavor was not going to buy them without Vince McMahon being in, being in charge of WWE. What they fucked up on is they let him have creative. They let him have his creative. Not He don't have full creative control, but Triple H still has to run everything by him. When he was retired, the shows were so much better. Now that he's back in Endeavor, this this buyout through with Endeavor's going through, I can't stand the product again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I started watching it again when Vince was gone. Then when he came back, it was just like, I'm no, no but, interest. But from what I've – from the dirt sheets, what I've read is Endeavor today was not going to buy the WWE unless Vince McMahon was back in charge was, – was CEO of the company. But I do like it because now that they bought it, he don't have he don't have he can't he don't have final say so because they bought they're buying fifty one percent 
which leaves Vince at 49%. Yeah, but Vince is worth how much now? I think what they, I forgot what the, what he's selling it for, but Triple H is pocketing like $10 million of the sale itself. Yeah, also Triple H, he's just as bad. A lot of things that Vince has done, Triple H could have easily stepped in and said, Vince, I don't think this is right. But nope, he's just quiet. I guess Vince. Yes, Vince. See, and and I like it because Nick Khan is Nick Khan is actually getting them getting them worldwide again. He's like he's the one that's pushing for all these Saudi shows, these Puerto Rican, these Puerto Puerto Rico shows, these uh, England shows. He's actually trying to make them a worldwide brand again. Uh, it's just no Vince is. Yeah, Vince is just a character, isn't he? he just yes. pissed me off when he came back with the hostile takeover. It pissed me off so bad. And no, it's worse. Yes. All the fans that suck in his dick going like, yes, that's so great. Vince is back. It's gonna, it's like, stop. you do realize Vince McMahon was... Uh, he's a pre- I'm telling you, he's a predator. He is. No, he is. Absolutely. We've had uh, Princess Victoria on before. It, and- it, it. Princess Victoria, I don't guess. She was one half of the uh, very first WWF Tag Team Champions. Oh, she yeah. I know really old yeah. story. Yeah, something you're talking about. And she was telling us about stories about Vince was, you know, back back then, you know, was a complete asshole. And- well, like, like the woman that accused him of rape, I, I truly believe her. I truly believe that he he, he got her in the, in the limo and he actually took advantage of her. I truly believe that. Just because oh, no of his, just yeah. because of his demeanor, Victoria pretty much confirmed a lot of the suspicions about Vince and and Mula, especially some of the things yeah, that Mula I, was, I was doing behind the scenes. Yes, I was told that 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 uh, Mula. I always heard through the grapevine from Candy Divine and all that 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 Mula was pimping the girls out to promoters. Yep. I was like, "What the fuck?" That's fucked. Yeah, it's fucked. That's why. That's why she was the champion for thirty years. <laughs> See that. That's that's why I try. My daughter loves. Used to love going to the shows, but when all these predators, uh, all these pedos started coming out of business, I try keeping my daughter away from. I, I don't like her meeting wrestlers unless I'm real good friends with them, and it, I, I try keeping her away from them because I don't trust none of these motherfuckers in this business. That's what I like about the smaller promotions like WWA. You know, it's a the small promotion. It's, it's not like a WWE or AEW, but it's, it's small enough where you know everybody there. Yes, bring your kids over. You don't have to worry about you know, like any of them saying like you want a lollipop in my locker room. You don't have to worry about that. Right. I mean, also, why are they? Why do they like WWE? Last time they were around the area. It was like I was like buy tickets for this uh, for the New Hampshire Pavilion, and I was like, how much are tickets? It was a house show. They wanted six hundred dollars for front row seats for a house show. A house show, and I was like, six hundred bucks. And of course, they're saying like you you have the possibility of getting autographs. You possibility for six hundred dollars. I could drive three hours, see a good independent promotion. Pay for gas, pay for hotel, pay for my food, get drunk, and go next home next day. That that's like the the supposedly WrestleMania twenty seven or twenty twenty seven supposed to be in Nashville at the new stadium they're going to build. And my kids have already asked me about going, and I'm like, look, I I want to go, but we're not we're going to have shitty seats because the <laughs> front row the front row seats are like ten thousand dollars a piece. Yeah. How, that is a that is a third of my yearly salary. I'd be damned if I'm gonna spend it to go watch WrestleMania. Yeah, whatever happened to them being there for the wrestling fans? Nope, it's all right. the money. Hell, when I started when I started wrestling as a wrestler, I think tickets wasn't but like four and five dollars, and now now there's independent promotions around here using local talent, charging fifteen and twenty dollars a ticket. I'm like, are y'all fucking stupid? <laughs> They're 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 not gonna pay twenty dollars to see some fucking local jabroni. I mean, and for me, I would. 
See, yeah, I like, would. So, so, it's like a Saturday night, nothing going on, you know. It's like, I'll check it out, you know. I, I think the most I've ever paid for a ticket is going to Raw and SmackDown. And usually me and the kids here, we're, when we go to Evansville to watch them, we we usually pay between 20 and 40 bucks for tickets. And we're still – we're probably 30 rows from from the ring. But, I mean, we still got good seats. Yeah. I just don't see the point in spending all that kind of money just to have, and and I, my son's got a friend that does it. Like he'll go, he'll try to get front row seats. Everybody, I'm like, you're just doing it because you want your face on television. I was like, I'm more about the experience of my kids seeing the joy on my kid's face than having my ugly face on camera. Like you want your face on camera so bad? Go to a local promotion, be on TV on the uh, independent wrestling television. Right. There you go. You're on TV. No one cares when they're watching Fox. They don't care who, who's the jabron in the front row. They don't. Right. It's just. Uh, so, so where do you see yourself in five years from now? In five years, that puts me at 49, probably hopefully retired. In professional wrestling. Hopefully. Or, or to be a special attraction, like, like I, I know I don't want to do this shit full time every Saturday no more. But, but I made an agreement with Chris first year that I was going to do every Saturday this year, and I told him I'm after this year I'm I, I want to go back to a per booking basis. I'm I'm trying to stay in the business long enough for my son to get started because I was going to retire two years ago, and he was like, "Hey, Dad, Chris accepted me into the training class." I was like. Well, fuck, I guess I'm going to stay in with you till you get done. And now he's wanting me to stay in so we can do stuff together. I'm like, look, at 40, I, I know by 45, 46, 47, I'll be done in the ring. But I, I want to say I see myself in the future as like a Dusty Rhodes type character that, that you bring him in for special, special shows. Kind of like, like Dusty was in TNA. That they brought him in to teach the young guys lessons and, and yeah. get rid of people, or even play a commissioner type role. Yes, that's what. And everybody tells me with my mouth, I would make a good commissioner because, and I, I that's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to to be something like that when I was done. That way, I'm still involved, but not physically involved unless it unless the storyline calls for me to be involved. Right. Would you consider being like what Mex is doing, being a manager? Well, lately I've been managing my partner because uh, he, they've been wanting him to get more singles experience because since he's been wrestling, we've done all tag team stuff. So for like the past five months, he's been doing singles matches to get experience. So I've been walking to the ring and we may tag here and there, but I have fun being his manager because I love being able to interact with the fans instead of having to be focused on the match. So if professional wrestling never existed, though, what would you be doing? Living a very boring life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it's I always told everybody since I was like six, seven years old that I was going to be a professional wrestler. And, and I graduated in May of 1998. And I told everybody within a year's time I was going to be wrestling. September of 1999, I made my debut. And at my five-year high school reunion, everybody's like, did you did you actually start wrestling? I said, yes, I did. And they're like, well, damn, you, you're actually one of us that actually fulfilled their childhood dream. I was like, I told you I was going to. Like, I still – I'll run into some of my high school friends today, and they're like, you're still doing that shit, ain't you? I'm like, yeah. They was like, you always said you was going to do it. And here you are 20-something years later, and you're still doing it. I was like, Yeah. I was like, it's showing now the way I walk and the way I feel, but. So what events does the WWA have coming up? We have a show Saturday in Evansville uh, at the Coliseum called Won't Back Down. And then we're the, the first of every month we're in Livermore, Kentucky. The second weekend we're in. Uh, let's see where we're at in August, because every now and then they'll, they'll change. But, but it's like Livermore, and then there's another town, and then we'll be a Bowling Green, Kentucky, and then we're in, in Evansville. 
but like every few months, like that second weekend of the month will be either Owensboro or a spot show somewhere. But we usually, we usually have a certain a set schedule of what town we're going to be in every week. And where can people find you on social media when you post about the happenings of the Recknecks? Uh, I try to, I try to post it on, on our Facebook page, which is just, all you gotta do is look up the Recknecks and, uh, I have an Instagram page under under me, but I don't really get on it much anymore. And then you, I also post our, our events on my actual personal page under my under my shoot name of Paul Richard. PJ, Scotty, any final questions or thoughts? Yeah, if you guys want to find me on the internet, I'm not out there. You won't find me. Paul. Yes, sir. Paul. Pleasure, my friend. Pleasure to sit here and enjoy. It's been fun, man. It's been fun. Thank you. you I've enjoyed it myself. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's uh, good to see you followed your dream. You've stuck with it all these years, and uh, looks like you've really enjoyed it. And I hope things end up the way you want them, where you can stay in the business as long as you want and just kind of tune it down a little bit, but still right, enjoy it. Me too. That's that's what I want. I want to go out on my terms. I, I don't want I don't want my body to say, "Oh, you're done." I want to I want to look at my body and say, "Hey, look, motherfucker, I'm in charge of this life." I say we're done. And fuck the people who just call you an old timer or anything like that. Fuck them. Right. They they, they don't fucking you know what all the they're just brand new. So you know what the exact pressure points are. Just go. Nah, you know. Because the, the what what these young kids, my final thoughts are these young kids have to realize without us old timers, we're the reasons why they're in the business because we're the we're the ones that laid the pavement for the roads they travel on today. Yeah, without us laying the, without us laying that pavement, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing today. No, we just live in a very privileged generation. Yes. That's sad, but I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much. I wish you luck. And thank you for everyone who listened, and thank you very much for watching. This is Killing the Business Worldwide, and we are all out.